Um, I will only um, read the uh, Matthew portion, but um, there's the Luke portion also that follows. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or, which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, your word is not just for folks a long time ago in a distant place. It is for me now, for us now, here and in our homes, and even where we travel throughout the week. Give your servant who brings your word, and we your servants who hear it, the power to know and live your truth and love. Only in Christ can we be so bold to ask such things as this. Amen. Please be seated. Thanks, man. Wow. You have really beautiful eyes. The stranger said this to her as they both made their way down the buffet line. Um, she pauses and she brightens. Thank you. He continues, would you, would you like to come to sit with me and my family? The invitation is welcome. They're on a trip with 140 other people, none of which whom she knows really well, most of whom she deems as much younger and cooler than her. She continues, I, I have no idea what is going on with this guy. We, we never really can, but of this I am certain. He has no idea what those words mean to me. None. He has no idea of the wounds that I carry, mostly healed but not really gone, uh, that his greeting gently brushed up against in me. He could never be aware of the ages in my life 
roughly 12 to 16, in which these same eyes were a crucible of suffering. The disease I bore throughout my body for some ungodly reason caused my eyeballs to bulge so far out of my skull that my eyelids could not do what they were meant to do and close around them. He does not know how still 40 years later I imperceptibly flinch if I hear the term bug eyes as it all but replaced my actual name in middle school. And he doesn't know how many lunches I ate alone in that cafeteria, how those years forged in me a strength and a sadness, a kindness and an anger, a protective independence. He does not know what it means to be told that I have beautiful eyes. It's quite a testimony. I think some of you can relate to that uh, some level. Uh, maybe it isn't specifically the eyes, but some way, shape, or form in which you know, we, were, we stood out in a way that was noticeable to others and became maybe even a little bit of a stigma to them, to us. We bear the wounds of those things. I, this story stuck out to me for a couple of reasons. One, it, it just shows the power uh, that we have as we brush up against one another day by day uh, in the midst of community. This happened to be a, a random interaction on a trip, but we interact with one another throughout our weeks, throughout our days, some of us over long periods of time, decades. You've sat in those pews. You've looked at the back of one another's heads. You've uh, watched little ones grow. Uh, you've watched older ones get older. We've journeyed this life together. And we see the power of that kind of interaction. I also like it because there is a focus on the eye. And Jesus here is talking about eyes. He's talking about logs and specks and just the, uh, the power that we have to tear down, build up, uh, all as we relate to the eyes, so to speak, of one another. As I mentioned in my Friday letter, this passage, this part of Matthew uh, the Sermon on the Mount, that teaching that Jesus is giving, it has become one of the most famous passages in all of the Bible, uh, replacing uh, you know, something like John 3.16 that for many years was the most well-known verse in the Bible. Now it, it, it may be verse 1, it may be verse 12, uh, either judge not that you be not judged or do unto others as you would have them do unto you. These are the verses that resonate with our society, particularly that idea of judge not. Uh, but I wonder if people really understand what Jesus is talking about here. I wonder if we really understand it. That's what I want us to walk through today. I want you to notice, uh, first of all, that this is a unit. Uh, verses 1 and 2 uh, speaking about this measure that you, be, that you use for others will be measured against you. 
Uh, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. We have what is called here an inclusio. It's a literary term that says this, this thought, this unit goes together. And that's important because there are a couple of things in here that we will misunderstand if we pluck them out of context, particularly verse 6 and then verses 7 to 11. Uh, it's important that we recognize that this is all one unit of thought that Jesus is giving us here. And if I were going to sum it up right at the beginning, Jesus is calling us uh, to a way of life you know, he's talked about all sorts of things in terms of what it means to be a follower of his, what it means to live life in the kingdom. He's talked about our attitude before God. He's talked about the, uh, you know, examining our hearts with regards to anger and lust and truth telling and all of these different things. Now he's talking about relationships and, and he is calling us to a gracious generosity that is discerning, uh, but one that ultimately lets God be God. Uh, and, and that's what Jesus is pushing us to understand here as he walks us through, uh, walks us through this teaching. And so I want to touch down in three different areas. I want to, first of all, understand what it is that Jesus is talking about. What is the appropriate judging that he is calling us to. Then we'll look at, at, at how do we engage these interactions, and that is by avoiding hypocrisy. And then finally, we're going to be asking the question, where do we get the kind of wisdom and power that we need? And that is by asking for bread. Uh, so first of all, what, what exactly is Jesus talking about here? Because like I said, this is well known. If you walk down the streets of Manhattan or Grand Rapids, ask people, you know, give me a Bible statement. There's very good chance that they will say, judge not, that you be not judged. Uh, this is, uh, like I said, really resonates with the spirit of the age. But what is Jesus talking about? Is he saying, as many assume, that we are to live and let live? that we are not to judge anybody else's actions, that there is a uh, relativity to uh, the way that we behave, that we are not ever to call anybody to account, that we are not, to, there, there isn't right or wrong, there isn't a standard. Is that what Jesus is talking about here? The answer to that is no. Uh, and we can say it, we can understand it in two different ways. The first is this, uh, just understanding what he means by that word judge. Uh, it, it's clearly not uh, a lack of discernment. I mean, Jesus discerns and, and even what we would say judges in various places uh, throughout the scriptures. For instance, when he comes into contact with uh, the Pharisees, he, he calls them a brood of vipers, <laughs> whitewashed tombs. That sounds sort of judgmental to us. He is, he is calling a spade a spade. There is a, a right and a wrong. So clearly he's not saying that we are to lose all of that. So what is he saying here? Uh, what is he saying to avoid? What he's saying that we must avoid as people who are in the kingdom is a, a condemnation uh, that would come from God uh, that we usurp, 
We put ourselves in the place of God and we condemn other people. We condemn their motives. We condemn uh, what is going on in their heart. We gain a sense of this type of thing from James. James as a book is, is very practical. It's been said that James is like 75% of the book is an explanation of the Sermon on the Mount, which makes sense. James as one of the apostles, or yeah, with Jesus' brother, one of the disciples in the early church, uh, he, he would certainly have understood or heard Jesus' teaching and would want to explain it to his audience. And, and so he says in chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, he says, Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and only one judge. He who is able to save and destroy. Who are you to judge a neighbor? So you see there, James helps us understand what, what Jesus is talking about. He's not talking about a general discernment. He's talking about a condemnation uh, that we would bring against a brother or a sister. Uh, we would bring about against them in a place, in the place of God. There's only one lawgiver. There's only one judge. And, and that is God. It's, it's not us. And that is the attitude, that is the action that Jesus is speaking. John Stott, I think, helpfully sums this up. He says, uh, what does he mean by judge not? In a word, he means we are not to be censorious. Uh, the word censor, that we are not to uh, bring the hammer down on people. Censoriousness, he goes on to say, is a compound sin consisting of several unpleasant ingredients. It does not mean to assess, it does not mean that we cannot assess people critically, but rather it means we should not judge them harshly. The censorious critic is a fault finder who is negative and destructive towards other people and enjoys actively seeking out their failings. He or she puts the worst possible construction on their motives, pours cold water on their schemes, and is ungenerous towards their mistakes. Uh, this is the attitude that Jesus is condemning. It's not saying that there's no standard, that we can't critically observe uh, a right or a wrong, but he's saying, and we shouldn't be surprised at this, this has been the whole theme of the Sermon on the Mount, what is the attitude of your heart? Uh, what is the attitude of your heart towards this other person? Uh, are you looking down on them? Have you put yourself in the place of God? Uh, are you judging their motives? Are you using the most uncharitable way of seeing them? Jesus says, if you want to be my follower, don't do that. Uh, I, I don't want you to operate in that way. It doesn't bring me glory. Part of the other way that we see this is not only by looking at the term itself, krina, to judge, uh, and this idea of condemnation that we just talked about, uh, but we also see it... In the way that Jesus concludes or, or Jesus continues this 
this teaching when he says, um, let, you hypocrite, he says, first, this is verse 5, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye or your sister's eye. You know, Jesus wants us to help one another along. Jesus wants us to correct somebody when they fall into sin or wrongdoing, when they are seeing the world wrongly, Jesus encourages us to, to do that thing, to do those things. Uh, this is very, uh, very consistent throughout the scriptures. Uh, we are encouraged to reprove one another. So you look at in, in Psalm or sorry, in Proverbs 29, verse 8, uh, he says, there the psalmist says, if you reprove a scoffer, they will hate you. But if you reprove a wise man, they will love you. Uh, there is this idea of a right way that we correct one another. A and if we are wise in our heart, we will receive that from our brother and sister, we will recognize the good in that. Or Proverbs 27, verse 6 says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Um, faithful are the wounds of the friend, but profuse are the kisses of the enemy. You know, our, our friend loves us so much that they're willing to correct us. Whereas the enemy, they, they just keep saying all these good things and they don't tell us when we are going wrong. Some of you know Jim Morrison, who is the lead singer of, of The Doors. He talked about friendship in a way that says, my friends let me do whatever I want to do. A and if you know his history, you realize where that led to him, where that led him. Uh, led him to just a life of drugs and overdosing and, and death. Uh, it led him to a very dark place. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Um, Jesus says we do take the specks out of one another's eyes. So what is Jesus saying? He's saying uh, we, we don't judge one another. Here, here, let me just give you the words of... Um, uh, of John Stott again. He says, to sum up, the command to judge not is not a requirement to be blind, but rather a plea to be generous. Jesus does not tell us to cease being human, but rather to renounce the presumptuous ambition to be God, uh, to, to see the specks in one another's eyes, uh, but to do so in a way that is not condemning them. So what does this look like? How, how do we go about it? Uh, there are a couple of things here in this passage that I think are really helpful for us. The first is uh, we certainly should be humble. We get this in verses 2 to 5. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. The measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eyes. 
How do, how do we approach this interaction? Uh, well, we have to make sure that we are avoiding hypocrisy. Jesus is talking to us throughout the Sermon on the Mount about our heart attitude. And here he gives us this little word picture slash parable slash humorous interaction where he's saying, think about it this way. Imagine that you see your brother or your sister and they have a speck, a, a, a a flick of, uh, of sawdust in their eye. Now, we recognize that that could be serious. I mean, you get that in your eye. I mean, worst case scenario, you could go blind in that eye if you are not able to get that piece of speck, you know, that piece of sawdust, that speck out of your eye. But what you don't realize as you go to address that is that you have a telephone pole, a log in your own eye. And, and, you know, this is silly. It's ludicrous to be, to think about addressing that speck in your brother or your sister's eye when you have this log, this telephone pole in your own eye. You'll never be able to get close enough to them. You'll never be able to see straight in order to remove this. There is going to be, uh, it, it's an impossibility. You'll never be able to do this. And I think there are a couple of things that we can you know, we don't want to press his analogy too far, but I think there are several ways in which we can learn from it. The, the first is this. It's interesting that Jesus uses the eye. Uh, he could have used other parts of the body in order to make his point, to provide an illustration. But we know how delicate the eye is. And uh, we know that the different nerves and the blood vessels and all of that goes into the eye. It's really incredible to think of. And so Jesus wants us to remember that when we're having these interactions, uh, whether they are serious and pointed interactions or whether they are the everyday interactions in a buffet line uh, somewhere in a, in a place where we don't even know the rest of the people, interactions are always delicate. Uh, and we should remember that as we brush up against one another. Uh, we are brushing up against delicate beings for whom just a word or a phrase uh, has tremendous amount of power to build up or to tear down. Uh, and Jesus wants us to remember it. What we're doing is we're doing eye surgery in the middle of our interactions day by day. And then he wants us to remember that we need to be humble. So what we've been saying throughout the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus isn't laying, Jesus is laying a path for two different types of people. Incidentally, in this, you know, the conclusion of this passage, verses 13 and 14, he emphasizes that. He says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy. That leads to destruction, uh, and those who enter it by the many are many, but the gate is narrow, the way is hard, that leads to life, and those who find it are few. So he's saying there is two ways, but it is not the way of good people versus bad people. It's not the way of the moral versus the immoral. The two paths are the way of those who are humbled and trusting in the Lord, uh, a life surrendered before the Lord, and those who are not. Uh, that's, that's different. 
Uh, see, the Pharisees, they, they had a righteousness. They, they were good people. They were moral, upstanding citizens. But what Jesus is saying is there's a righteousness that exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. And that righteousness comes by being humble. You know, this is going all the way back to the Beatitudes, and it's that attitude of heart. And here Jesus applies it, and he says, you need to think of yourselves in such a way that you recognize that what you are seeing in your brother or sister is small in comparison to what you see in yourself. And how often don't we get it the other way around? You know, we, we maximize what we see in those that we rub up against, our brothers and sisters in Christ, our spouse, our children, and we minimize what we see in ourselves. And, and Jesus says, no, that, that's not the right order. You need to understand that you have a telephone pole in your own eye uh, compared to the speck that is in your sister's eye or your brother's eye. First, he says, take out the log that is in your own eye. And he's already told us what this looks like. You know, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn over the telephone poles that we see in our eyes. Blessed are the meek, uh, for they shall inherit the earth. Are you hungering and thirsting after the righteousness that Jesus is laying out for us? Faith, repentance, repentant faith. These are the two feet that we walk through life. And Jesus says when we employ that kind of heart attitude, then we will see clearly to remove uh, the speck from our brother's or our sister's eye. So again, Jesus isn't saying that we shouldn't be critical uh, critical with regards to right or wrong, that we shouldn't even critique those who are around us. But he says, if you're going to do eye surgery, there is a specific way that you have to do it. Uh, and it starts with understanding your own shortcomings and your own need. I mean, later on in this passage, Jesus will say, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more so will your Father who is in heaven? Jesus reminds us that we all fall short, that we all need. So this isn't a matter of good people versus bad people. This is a matter of surrendered people versus people who are prone to go their own way and see fault, uh, condemnatory fault in others. Interesting too, and I'll just note this, the speck of sawdust, the log, same material. Uh, they're both wood. Um, and, and so often the things that drive us crazy about other people are, are the things that we struggle with ourselves. At least it's true in my life. Uh, I, I notice those things in other people. Maybe it's because, you know, I'm struggling with them or, you know, Jesus says, just be careful. Watch your hearts. Humble yourselves before the Lord. At the same time, he does want us to be discerning. And this is where verse 6 comes in. Seems kind of a non sequitur. Again, it's really important that we see 1 to 12 as a unit because we're not going to understand it if we don't. 
He says, do not give to dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. What is Jesus doing here? Is he calling people dogs and pigs? Well, no, not directly. Again, he's telling us a picture and he's talking about this in the context of how we interact with one another, this, uh, the, the, the wounds that we would faithfully with hearts submitted, hearts surrendered with this humility, these wounds that we would give one another. And Jesus is saying, you, you have to be careful with that because not everyone is going to love it. This is Proverbs 29. You reprove a foolish man and he's going to hate you. Uh, you reprove a wise man and they will love you. And that is essentially what Jesus is saying here. There are certain people in your life uh, that are like dogs and pigs in this way. Dogs and pigs don't have the ability to discern between a corn husk and a pearl. If you throw a corn husk into the pig pen, you throw a pearl in the pig pen, they can't tell the difference and they are just going to devour them both. Uh, because they act on instinct and they don't have the ability to see. A dog wants food. And, and so if you give a dog a nice gravy, steak, sort of dog dish, uh, or if they give them a dish of their own vomit, they can't distinguish between the two. Uh, they will go and they will eat either one because they act on instinct. And that's what Jesus is saying here. You have to be careful with what, what you give to people because there are going to be people who won't distinguish it. And what Jesus is saying here is uh, there is a point where we, we stop. We stop uh, throwing these pearls, uh, our love for this person that would call us even to point out their flaws. There's this point where we, we stop doing that. This again, going back to Proverbs, you see so much of this uh, where, Jesus, or where the writer to the Proverbs says in 26, 4 and 5, he says, answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. Or verse 5, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. What Jesus is saying here is that there is a wisdom uh, that you employ. We always seek to love people, but he also puts us on guard by saying, um, beware, you know, some people are going to reject this. You see this in the early ministry of the church, you know, they would often go to the synagogues and to the Jews first, uh, but the Jews would reject their teaching. So Jesus said, wipe the dust off your feet and take it to the Gentiles. Uh, take it to them. They, they won't reject your teaching. And, and this is the practice that Jesus is talking about here in verse 6. And this helps us then understand verses 7 to 11 in context. Because when we realize this, when we realize what Jesus is saying, he's saying, you are, are not to be condemnatory, but you are to recognize right and wrong. You are to humbly approach your sister or brother to remove the specks that are in their eyes. But be on your guard. Some people are going to reject this and reject you. Uh, and you are to go so far with them and no farther. 
Uh, how do we do this? Like, how do we have the wisdom to do this? And how do we have the power to do this? And this is where Jesus says, ask, and it will be given to you. He's, he's not speaking here in 7 to 11 about general uh, rules about prayer. He's not speaking here about um, you know, a new bike or a new car, or a new job. He's not speaking here about asking for a spouse or any of these other things. It's not that that wouldn't apply to these types of things, but he's talking here very specifically about the wisdom that we need to interact with our brothers and sisters. And we really get a sense of that when we read the Luke version of what Jesus is saying. So I printed that for you in your bulletin. Here it says this, which of you has, who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to send before him. Now this is terrible. Understand that in ancient Near East culture, hospitality was preeminent. And if you are, are caught empty-handed, like that is great shame. Remember, it's a uh, honor-shame culture. There, there's great shame associated with not having anything to, to bless your friend with. Uh, so you go to your neighbor, uh, and it's midnight, and he will answer from within, do not bother me, the door is shut, and my children are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you... Though he will not get up and give him anything because he is a friend, yet because of the impudence of his friend, he will arise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. The one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask from him? What Jesus is saying here is that we are to ask for a specific thing. We are asking for wisdom. Again, James, if any of you lack wisdom, this is James 1, verse 5, let him ask it of God who gives generously to all without finding fault. You hear these same themes that are going on in this passage here. And what Jesus is saying here is live dependent. You need to be asking like that impudent neighbor at midnight who goes in desperation because he has these interactions with his friends that he is going to completely blow. If he doesn't get help from this friend, he goes and he bangs on the door at midnight and he says, please, please. Give me some bread. Give me something so I have the ability to serve and to welcome and to be hospitable and to be generous like you as my friend comes into the home. And Jesus says, whoever asks, the Father will give the Holy Spirit. 
Jesus says, it's better for you that I go away. You know, as we come into this Good Friday and Easter and Pentecost and Ascension season, where we remember the, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus, where we remember his ascension, where we remember his pouring out of his spirit, we recognize that this is what Jesus is pointing to. He's pointing to the fact that he has given us everything that we need to be the kind of people that can live out the kingdom ethic that he is asking us to. How can I love you? You know, how can I bump up against you in a buffet line? How can I bump up against you in everyday life? How can I see the beauty in your eyes and, and bring you up rather than notice the speck and turn it into a log and tear you down? How can I do that? I can only do it through the Spirit. And this is what Jesus is saying. Ask. Ask, and you will receive. Your, your Father in heaven is generous. We, we know he's generous. We're about to go to the table, and we're about to eat his body and drink his blood. He has held back nothing from us. His very son, the darling of heaven, was sent to be a propitiation for our sins. And Jesus says, find yourself surrendered to the love of of the Father, and then you will know. Not only will you know, but you will be enabled and empowered to love the people that are in your life. And this is where Jesus says, what you would have somebody do to you, do unto others. Uh, this is the way that we live because, because Jesus has poured out his life for us. Judge not that you be not judged. It's a great way to talk to folks, you know, as you walk through life, you have lots of interactions. You probably know this verse. What do you think it means? Well, it speaks to us of the love of a father who will really give us what we need to love one another uh, and to see the beauty in one another's eyes. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for its power as it comes into our lives. Father, we confess that even as we are here and now, uh, we, we need your wisdom. We need your guidance. We need everything that you, give, that you are willing to give us in order to, to be the kind of people that you want us to be. We're sorry, Lord. Uh, for the ways that we maximize others' faults and minimize our own. Help us to live inside out uh, because your kingdom is inside out. Help us to live upside down because you have turned this world upside down through your death, uh, the seeming defeat of evil uh, in order to defeat evil, in order that we might have life and might have it to the full. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.